and welcome to the Millennial Health Podcast. I'm Dr. J. Sheree Allen, a board-certified family physician who's passionate about the health of my fellow millennials. I know we're booked and busy, but your first wealth is your health. So I'm taking some of my most important health messages and bringing them here to you on this podcast. My goal is to share some valuable information and draw awareness to some important health topics, but I encourage you to please consult your physician for personalized medical advice. Dr. Stella Safo is an HIV primary care provider based in New York City. She holds a role as an assistant professor of medicine at Mount Sinai School of Medicine, and she's a strategic advisor at Premier Incorporated. She's also one of the founders of Vote Health 2020, and the reason why she is here to have this conversation with us today. Dr. Safa, welcome to Millennial Health. Thank you so much for having me. It's really good to be here. I can't wait to get to like get into all the issues with you. Yes, let's just jump right in. Okay, first, we totally want to hear a little about you, your journey to becoming a physician, and I'll tie that together with you know, my next question, which is why voting matters to you. Like, why am I here talking to a doctor about voting? I love that. So for me, um, I think it really ties back to my childhood. My parents are from Ghana. I was born in Nigeria. And when we came to this country and became naturalized citizens, my dad made it so that every time it was time to vote, he would put on an outfit and strut to the polls and vote. And when we, um, you know, turned 18, he would, and we went, went away to college, he would remind us, you know, make sure you send in your absentee ballot, make sure you vote. So just in my family and kind of as we, you know, um, existed, voting was the thing. And then I got into medicine, um, you know, and I guess this is part of my journey. I went to um, undergrad and medical school at Harvard, did my MPH at Harvard, and I went over to the Bronx where I had an awesome education learning social medicine in a real way in their primary care social medicine program. So as an internal medicine doctor, the thing that I was most kind of impacted by at that point was one, just how sick patients can be. Like these patients were sick and a lot of their illness wasn't just coming from the kind of um, clinical, you know, or the, the the physical manifestations of illness. A lot of their illness was coming from the, the social uh, realities around them. And so I thought to myself at that time, I want to be, a, um, you know, a clinician that really serves this population. When I looked around at my peers and my mentors, many of them were already getting burned out or, or were burned out. And it made me think, what is it that those of us who are most, you know, c- connected to primary care why is it that we can't get to do good primary care for the most vulnerable for you know a long period of time? And that turned me into the direction of wanting to learn more and do more within the area of clinical transformation or practice transformation, um, which is just this area that says, you know, what is healthcare all about now and how do we make it better, specifically to have lower costs and higher, higher quality um, care delivery for the vulnerable patients and really for for every patient. So I went to Sinai and I did population health management as their senior medical director uh, for clinical transformation. And then after that, I took some of that knowledge and I went over to a private company called Premier Incorporated, where we worked with life science companies um, doing very similar things around clinical transformation and understanding how you design systems that are then able to impact patients and providers. So all of that, I was minding my own business, going about doing what I was doing. And the thing that really struck me, like everyone, was 2016, the election, um, not just the outcome, but also just understanding that 100 million people did not vote in that election. I was struck. Then when you look a little bit deeper, you find that clinicians vote less than their 
you know, uh, counterparts in, in law uh, than teachers and farmers. And so that's where I got to this election where I said, no, 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 no. It's 2020. All of us have to make our voices heard. What can we do as clinicians in a pandemic to really support helping to get people registered and helping to get people, um, you know, to get out and to vote safely? Your energy around this is infectious. I follow you on social media and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm registered to vote, right? Castell <laughs> will come for you if you're not. You will find Stella me. will come for me. <laughs> you and uh, Dr. Mark Shapiro. So we're not messing around. No. They will come for me. Let me make sure I'm registered. I am voting today. Amen. Amen. Yes, yes, yes. I'm so excited. So, you know, you've really been an incredible voice around this, honestly, you know, um, and you touched on this before, how you came to this place of like advocacy in this arena and being a co-founder of this organization. Could you tell us a little more about that? What are some of these strategies that you're using in uh, Vote Health 2020 to really get us mobilized? Yeah. Um, so there were a couple of us, Ali, Manisha, Saranya, Shalini, and a couple of other really amazing student volunteers who were just ready to go. Like come the summertime, we were like, yo, what are we doing? How are we helping everyone get out to vote? And Vote Health 2020 came together out of a series of conversations that said, the thing that we notice among clinicians is that they get very busy. And so it's hard for them to then do the extra step of saying, hi, you know, Mr. So-and-so, are you registered to vote? Do you need any help to vote? And so um, Manisha, who's one of our members, had actually done work at Monty helping people register and, you know, um, mm -hmm. safely get out to vote. And one of the things that we thought is, why don't we use some of those principles and bring them and kind of update them to 2020? So what you'll see on our Vote Health 2020 website is a way to make this a real movement so that if you yourself sitting there as a clinician in Idaho or in New York and, and you're thinking, okay, how can I help my patients go out and vote? Go on to the Vote Health site and all the materials you might need are there. There are scripts that are there. There are flyers you can give your patients about how to vote and vote safely. Mm -hmm. So, you know, since tomorrow is your last day to, to get the vote out, it's become really important that we make everything super easy. And in the last few weeks, what we've done for a lot of our providers is just give them the all the materials that they have to give to their patients and say, you know, you're ready. You can go vote. This is the PPE you need to bring with you or, or wear. Mm -hmm. You know, this is this is these are the medications. If you take insulin, plan on bringing your afternoon dose of insulin, because who knows with these lines, you might need to be sitting for, for a while. So it's been really important, I think, to make vote health really easy mm -hmm. because the ease of it for busy clinicians is going to make the difference. Mm -hmm. And I tend to talk in kind of in terms of clinicians, but this is really for anyone in the healthcare field, front desk, nursing, anyone who wants to help their, their peers and their patients get more engaged and involved, because we see the ways in which policies impact um, mm -hmm. all of us, certainly our patients and ourselves uh, with COVID-19. Um, and, and we should be able to vote and really reflect that. Some of us have lived in places where the local politicians have done a great job. We want to reelect them. Others feel like, you know, they, they may want to change that. And so for us, it's become important not to, not to so much tell people who to vote for. We're, we're nonpartisan and we feel very strong about being nonpartisan. Um, but it's more to say, hey, how can you help your patients decide for themselves and then go and, and make sure that they, you know, that they are able to, to vote safely? Mm. Could we dive a little deeper into that and talk about some of the reasons why we are voting for our health, honestly, with this upcoming election? Like what should millennials know about this and how important it is as now the largest living adult generation in the United States? Oh my God, it's such a good question. I think when you ask that question, everyone automatically thinks about, well, we're in a pandemic. And so we have to make sure we get, sure, the pandemic is important, but the pandemic at some point, even though it doesn't feel that way, at some point it will pass. You know what's going to be left though, is the way in which your health, your health insurance is designed. 
Do you have good health insurance? Are you able to go and see your doctors when you need to? Or like me, are you kind of paying all these high deductibles and co-insurance, right? Who determines what happens with your insurance? Those are all determined by, by policies that your local and federal governments will you know, have input into. And so there's a real ability, I think, um, to, to kind of step outside of just seeing the way in which the pandemic impacts us and go down a step and say, okay, the way that I access health insurance and the way that I access health care is impacted by policies that are made outside of myself. And then take it a step further. So how do you keep yourself healthy? It's the foods that you eat, right? It's your ability to you know, go to the gym and exercise. If you live in certain communities, it's your ability to not be murdered by the police. All of these things may not belong in the realm of a clinic and healthcare, but they impact your health. And who decides things like, you know, who, you know, doesn't live in a food desert or who has access to safe policing? Those are all us via our local politicians. And so the importance of getting out to vote for all of us millennials isn't so much like, oh, you know, it's going to change the world tomorrow. It's that these are the individuals who make decisions that trickle down to you and trickle down to you in a pretty immediate manner. So, you know, it, it just feels so pressing. And I always like to also say that it has nothing to do with just voting. Voting is one of many tools that we have to engage in. As clinicians, though, voting is like telling your patient to wear a seatbelt or telling your patient to take their medicines. It's so neutral, right? I can't tell my patient to go protest in the streets. That's not that's not appropriate. But I can say, please vote, because their vote then manifests into into you know their voice, which then manifests into action in all all the kinds of ways that you know we've just described. That is so incredible the way you just broke that down. You know, I think you've answered all the questions with this one that I like to throw in. How do we deal with some of the cynicism that, mm -hmm. you know, has unfortunately made its way into this process, especially among younger voters who feel like their voice really aren't being heard or respected? I just want to say first that that cynicism is warranted. When you look at the lines, you look at the lines that people have to stand in to vote. I mean, 10, 11 hour lines. I, I wait online less to go to the concert. I, I have a shorter line to go buy my you know, iPhone, right? Like it is insane that we have made the voting process as hard as we have made it. And so I think I would say to those who feel disenchanted by it and a little bit um, kind of cynical about it, yes, you should. That's that's what's intended. But but me myself, I tend to get a little bit petty. And if you tell me that the thing that you know you don't want me to do is is you know is the thing you want me to do, I, I will then try to understand why you don't want me to do it. So I think I would say to millennials, when you see these lines and you see all the ways they make it near impossible, question for yourself, why are they making it so hard? They're making it hard because your voice matters. And, and so I, I think it becomes really important to take the attitude of like, I wouldn't let anyone prevent me from doing, you know, from getting my education. I wouldn't let anyone from, prevent me from getting the latest sneakers that I really love, right? Don't let anyone prevent you from exercising your voice. And I think there's a step farther to say that voting is not going to answer everything. But if you vote and you do nothing else, that's not going to be enough. We have seen individuals um, and I think Obama is a good example where when he got into office, we were all so excited in 2008. And then in 2010, we didn't go back and vote. And so he didn't have the kind of resources behind him to help him affect the change that he needed. And so um, and I just use Obama again as as an example. Vote Health itself is, is nonpartisan. Stella herself has some feelings um, that we can discuss at another time. But 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 I say that example to say that, you know, when we vote, it's the first step to then continue to engage, to encourage 
um, our elected officials to do the right thing. And so it's it's voting, it's showing up at town hall meetings, it's writing letters, it's it's all of it. And the best part is millennials and folks who are younger, we will tap, tap, tap on that email, on our phones. We, I mean, you can't, when, when we decide that it matters to us, you can't get past us with how intense we can get. And so I feel like, you know, if voting isn't it for you, I still need you to vote. And then I need you to come with the rest of it that that will help make sure that, you know, your voice is heard. I love that. Absolutely love that. I hope we were able to extract some tips from this and we'll surely pull some for like our show notes and stuff just mm-hmm. to get people energized. I especially love how you validated um, the concern that I hear the most, which is just like, it doesn't my, it doesn't matter anyway, right? What I choose. And that is not the truth. That is absolutely not the truth, you know? Could I backtrack for a moment uh, all the way to question number one, which was about your background and how you even became interested in this. So you shared that um, your family is from Ghana. You were born in Nigeria, grew up here. Uh, Similar story, born in Jamaica, grew up in New York City. My husband is from Ghana. You know, I want to enter some rocky waters, but a conversation that I think has been sitting really heavy on my heart for some time Mm. now, you know, especially in the current uh, political climate, you know, when there's rhetoric, like, you know, go back to your country or you're from shithole countries or just things that don't make you feel like you are a part of this American dream, right? You really can achieve these ideals, right? Which is why many of our families originally came here. How do we reconcile those really strong words that are out there now with, you know, us still being here and still feeling like we can call this place home and participate in this democracy? I think about that a lot. You know, my my family um, is is very, very, very passionate about how much America has manifested, you know, all of the successes and dreams that they had when they came. My parents are so proud of what they built in this country. My mom is a pediatrician. She has her own practice. She's so proud of the four of us and the lives that we've made for, you know, for ourselves. And, and I preface saying that because I can be very critical of this country because I know that we can be even greater than we have been. And so for me, it's because I love America that I hurt so much and that I get this sense of frustration of what are we doing? Like, how are we going off? And, you know, to me, what seems like the wrong path. After, after the last elections, I, I had a similar conversation with myself of, is this the place that I want to pour my heart and soul into? I mean, as clinicians, we work so hard um, we, you know, I, I'm sure you do as well. We cry over our patients. We, you know, we, we just, we pour ourselves into our work and, and it hurts to pour yourself into a place and a country, um, where people will, will say things to you that make you understand that they don't value your life and your contributions. And so for me personally, where I've been kind of able to, um, arrive at is I think two places. One, I'm going to fight like mad for the things that, I believe in personally, and and one of the one of those things is that every single person in this country should make, you know, her voice heard. And when that happens, I think we will choose the best leadership. And so that's for me, kind of part of where my vote health passion comes from. And then the second thing is, I have really reinvigorated my commitments back home. You know, my mom always sent money back home. We will go visit here and there, but it's different now. Now I say to myself, you know, Stella, if you pour eighty percent into America 
well, that 20% that goes into Ghana, it better be rich and thorough, right? And I think that that's what a lot of us folks who are in the diaspora are doing is we're saying, how are we living our lives here? Because our partners are here, our families are here, our, our careers are here. But how do we always keep an eye back to what companies we need to be building back home, the people we need to be investing in and, and mentoring? I mean, my mentoring game for folks back in Ghana has, has always been pretty strong, but I want to dig into it even more because I want them to be great. I want us to be great kind of transnationally in a way that I never even imagined that I would feel quite so much. And so I'm thankful in some ways that this time period has made me so deeply invested in all of us winning across country boundaries in a way that I don't think that I felt quite as passionately you know, as, as I did um, for as, as before. And so I love that question because I think I hope that your listeners are thinking about how are they investing here? And even if they're African-Americans and, you know, that they don't they don't feel like they have a, a place back home. The question is, how are you investing here and investing in these other places that I don't think are going to be brought, you know, along with us as Americans unless we ourselves do it? Yes, yes. I wish I had the words to express. <laughs> How incredible it was to just hear that answer. Because honestly, I know a lot of us are sitting with those heavy, heavy yeah. feelings. So it was so good to hear you break it down like that. How are you so thinking about it? I am, I am not at the place that you're currently at. I think, you know, you said you had this conversation with yourself before. I am just now mm. having that conversation with myself. Um, when I'm in the clinic sometimes and I, I don't feel feel, you know, that the sacrifices and the hard work that has gone into me even having the opportunity to be a physician, you know, is being used at its maximum capacity. Like it hurts, you know, to think my grandmother um, came as an adult in her late 60s to this country and went to school to study to become a home health aide. Mm -hmm. You know, um, she recently passed. And while we were cleaning her room, she passed earlier this year. We were cleaning out her room. I found her last W-2. Mm. And my grandmother made in one entire year, this was like 2017, I think, one entire year what I make in about three or four, like three months or so. Mm. And I was like, for an entire year working like, 40, sometimes up to 60 hours on the train from Mount Vernon to the Bronx through Manhattan, taking care of people who were older than her. <laughs> you know, um, even some clients that were much younger than her, but had such bad chronic illnesses. She did that to her dying days. And I'm like, wow, my mother who came here and went back to school as well to become a registered nurse and is here working, you know, in New York City, was at Westchester Medical Center in the COVID unit, like putting her life at risk every day, choosing, you know, her job and her patients versus can we take grandma home because then she'll probably infect. I mean, these are the things I think about and it's just like, wow, you know, when this is our reality, and our the rhetoric that comes at us yeah. is then like you know your countries and your rapists and your it, it's it's just it doesn't sit well. <laughs> so I have some thinking to do around this. Yeah, and I, I you know I, I appreciate you sharing that. I think the hurt is raw, 
mm-hmm. and real. And, and, you know, most of, many of us, especially children of immigrants are taught to be super resilient and that grit always, you know, our, our grittiness is a thing that we lead with, but I really appreciate your vulnerability. I'm, I'm sorry for the loss of your grandmother. Um, I appreciate you being vulnerable because I think it's important that people know just how much this stuff hurts. It does. You know? and, and that and that we're working from a place of being wounded and wanting to bring our best selves every day to the mm-hmm. folks that are around us, to this country, but we are hurting. And I, mm-hmm. I think, you know, when things calm down a little bit, maybe past this election, that there is some work that we all need to do to just make sure that we're taking care of ourselves and each other. Yes, yes, yes. And I think even as we're in this process too, you know, because we give so much of ourselves to our patients and to everyone who's listening, you know, whatever their career um, entails, they give so much of themselves that, you know, don't wait until you're totally broken and you have nothing left to give to get some help. Standing appointment with my therapist Friday evening. After the pandemic, Bless all the therapists want them. They are keeping all of us going. That is for sure. <laughs> so, Doctor Safo, uh, parting words for us here at Millennial Health. What's the last thing you want us to know? Tomorrow is the day. You know, we've been voting for mm-hmm. some time now, but tomorrow is the end. What would you just get on a mountaintop and say mm-hmm. as your final message to the millennials out there? Why voting for their health matters. Oh, man. <laughs> Imagine me yelling this from the mountaintop. <laughs> vote, vote hard, put on an outfit and go vote. And if, if you haven't voted Yet, I want you to be very safe as you're doing it, PPE, all of that. If you voted, bless you, thank you, and find other people in your life because I guarantee you there are those people, people who plan to vote, but now, you know, they got to work, reach out to every person you know, pull out your phone now and text everyone you know and say, please, please make sure you vote. And, And because we're millennials, Tell them, hey, when you're done voting, will you send me a picture? Make it a thing, right? And tag and, me on IG. <laughs> yes, yes. Let let us let's show up. Mm-hmm. And again, it doesn't matter who you vote for, but make your voice heard. Make mm-hmm. your voice heard. Make your voice heard. And you know, as we said, let's take care of ourselves and each other. Mm-hmm. Thank you. How can we find you online? How can we follow you and get all of this awesome inspiration you have to offer? <laughs> well, thank you. You can find Vote Health at VoteHealth2020.com. You can find me, Stella Sappho, at Amma, A-M-M-A-H, uh, star, S-T-A-R-R, on Twitter. You just put my name in and you'll find me. Um, and yeah, I hope you guys will, you know, check out our materials and, and use them and, you know, follow along. Awesome. Thank you, Dr. Sappho. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Millennial Health Podcast. Though my goal is to share some valuable information and draw awareness to some important health issues, I encourage you to please consult your physician for personalized medical advice. I hope this information was beneficial to you. And if so, please subscribe to the Millennial Health Podcast and share with your friends. Please also leave us a review. If you have questions or comments, feel free to reach out on Instagram or Twitter at Dr. Jay Sheree, D-R-J-A-Y-S-H-E-R-E-E.